0: Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com, where the orchid of wisdom is just ready for picking. We celebrate your why, the journey that you've taken that inspires someone else. We support your services. We support your story. Come and be our guest. Become a host. Be an author with us. Come see what we've got. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Your Health is Your Choice. I am your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Lisa Cadet. We're going to be discussing about chronic illness. I think everybody at some point has had to face something like that, um, Illness can come and hit us at any time. And sometimes those illnesses are here to stay, that there's kind of become a part of us. And so she's written a beautiful book called Comfortable Pain. How to step into the pain of something that's going to be with you for life. Uh, There isn't a cure for it. It's something you have to manage. And how do you step into that and still have a productive life, still find belief and inspiration and hope and faith and, and still continue on doing something in life maybe you have to give up the job that you loved and maybe you have to redirect but all of these things happen for a reason and i know it's hard at times we kind of think why um i was loving my life and everything i was doing why this redirect here and the thing is is that we can't always argue with the cosmos and the cosmos is going to decide for us sometimes that that chapter of your life is over it's now take time to take another one so what illnesses happened to lisa how did she take this redirect? She was a nurse and she was enjoying her nursing. Um, after the first bout of illness, she decided then to teach nursing and she's been in the, the disaster response. I mean, this was an active woman who participated in everything. What happened to slow her down? Redirect her and cause her to write this book. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks, Sarah. I'm happy to be here. So, Let's list it out first, because I know that you do have a few. And uh, after our conversation the other day, we found that we have a few in common. And it's all too common today, isn't it? These particular illnesses that are coming up, which kind of you wonder, is it lifestyle illness? Is it the way we eat? Is it our stress? What's causing it? But first and foremost, list people the challenges that have come up uh, for you to face in your redirection of life.
1: Oh, boy. It's a pretty long list, Sarah, but I'll try to keep it short. Uh, I was diagnosed with systemic lupus in 2005. So it's it's an autoimmune disorder, and it actually is a little bit of a gateway illness in terms of because it affects my entire body, not just my immune system, but it starts at the immune system. So from there, I ended up being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I ended up being diagnosed with osteoarthritis. Uh, I was was diagnosed with lymphangiomyomatosis, which is a very rare lung disease. I got that one in my second semester of nursing school. I believe they originally thought it was lung cancer, but it's little cysts that grow throughout the lung, so it occupies space, so your oxygen saturation levels tend to drop. Um, My other illnesses, uh, some of them are are so long in name, and it's a huge mouthful, (laughs) Um, but it ranges anywhere from digestive. Disorders to skin disorders to muscle and nerve uh, disorders. Uh, A lot of it has to do with, again, just being tied into the lupus and the autoimmune system. Mm -hmm. So it it gets a little bit complicated. It's not just one illness, as I say, because it affects the autoimmune system, it then kind of opens up the doorway uh, to a lot of other illnesses. And the problem with it is because of what are the medications I have to take to keep the immune system stable is to suppress the immune system. So I'm wide open for infection all the
0: time. Mm. And people don't realize actually that, you know, things like falbomyalgia, there's 31 points to falbomyalgia. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm in that bracket. I've got 29 of them and they mm-hmm. don't realize that, that, um, you know, like with lupus it's, okay, you have the lupus, but then what does that mean? And they don't realize that it comes with its friends. It yes. invites its friends to the party. Yes. And it decides it likes it, host it, you, you as the host and wants to <laughs> Yeah. So it's not just a question of one thing. You know, these things come in multiples. And that's really where the problem is, isn't it? Because a medication may help this one thing, but it then aggravates the other. So it's all about trying to find that balance of being able to feed the entire body in all its demands and they are pretty demanding.
1: Yeah, it is a balance. Uh, that's probably one of the most difficult things of living with uh, chronic illness is balance. Obviously, when you th- we throw the word in chronic, um, it's anything that lasts for six months or longer and is reoccurring. So you don't really, you know, unless you're going into remission or you're only having to deal with a handful of symptoms, the uh, remission can sometimes go for years. Um, unfortunately for a lot of people like myself, I haven't seen remission for quite a, quite a while, but we do get a break in symptoms.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, of course, one has to know one's body. I mean, at first you're being bombarded. It's understanding what it is you've got. It's the, it's the whole thing of changing your lifestyle. You no longer can do what you did before. And so this is, there's the emotional aspect um, not understanding it, not finding the balance, realizing it comes in multiples. There's a lot of emotional trauma uh, on the initial diagnosis before you can take that deep breath and, and say, okay, what are we going to do about it?
1: Yeah, the the balance part of it, especially when you're first in the early diagnosis stages, is is like you said, it's very emotional. The difficult part as a patient is trying to understand the diagnosis, but also trying to make sure that we're getting the right team members. So when we're talking to our general practitioner who you know maybe can't figure out what quite it is, they'll send us off to a specialist. Usually with autoimmune disorders, it's a rheumatologist. So if, uh, the key to early diagnosis is getting into the right professional uh, medical team. And a rheumatologist for things like lupus, fibromyalgia, arthritis, A rheumatologist, really, that's what they study is uh, soft tissue disorder um, and autoimmune disorder. So that part's super emotional as a patient. Even for myself being a nurse, I still found it very overwhelming because there's so many symptoms that you're being bombarded with. So I think one of the key things is to maybe keep notes. Uh, It it sounds like a lot of work, but honestly, it will save you when you go to your appointments. You want to know you know, what types of symptoms you're having, how long they're lasting, uh, what what seems to be the ones that are keeping you awake or preventing you from your daily activities. Those are the key things that the doctors are going to want to know. So it's a good idea to kind of keep, keep that in. The other thing that's really, really important is to make sure that you're not alone doing this because it is a really emotional time. It took them probably about two and a half years to diagnose lupus, So we kind of tracked it back to, before you know, a few years when I was already starting symptoms, uh, and they kind of all got brushed off because I had just had a baby. My son was two. They kept telling me it was postpartum depression, which I'd had. But I'm sort of thinking, you know, he's two now. Yes. I don't Think this yes. is postpartum anymore? And then another doctor rushed brushed it off as, uh, you know, I'm a, I've been an athlete. I played fastball, soccer. Uh, I was a hiker, a skier, you know, I was a swim instructor. I did a lot of very, very active um, sports. It, but also, like you said, you know, I was in disaster response and search and rescue. So my body was, was already, you know, going through a lot of, um, I, I, I call it, it, it took a beating, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. Pushing so, you to your limits.
1: Yeah. So this, it, like you said that, you know, as long as you... You know, you need to go in as part of the team player when you're going in as a patient. And that can be a little
0: bit emotional at the very beginning, as you said. Taking notes is really, really important. You know how it is when you go to the doctor and you've completely forgotten what you've come for. I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, you go to the grocery store for one thing. You come out with everything but, you know, lists are very useful. And I think if you can actually go in to the doctor and print it out, This is something that's reoccurring. Um, This only happens now and again. You're now giving them ammunition to really look at something and make a proper diagnosis, Um, because you know I went to see my doctor the other day on a couple of issues, and I know I wanted him to test my blood pressure, and I know I came out without it. You know, it's you know, so it's take the note for yourself, you know, because it also shows that you're also um, taking your health seriously. You know, you're monitoring yourself. And this, this is a fine line, though, folks. There's the monitoring yourself to know what works for you in wellness or as wellness as you can be. It is yeah. not a feeding of the illness. And you have to be very careful because, of course, it can be so consuming at first, can't it, that all you feel is this illness. And there is a way to live with it and still be very productive. But it's got to be very careful that you don't go down that slippery slope.
1: Yeah, and it is a slippery slope, Sarah. I think one of the key things that you mentioned here was focusing on your health.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um at first, of course, you're you know you're being bombarded with a lot of the symptoms, but as you say, you know, we're taking the notes. Be the team leader of your own care. Yeah. Try not to focus too much on the illness. I mean, that sort of comes in phase two, I guess, of being diagnosed. Is, you know, holy cow, I have all these things wrong with me. It's hard not to, uh, you know, go down that rabbit hole of of symptoms and not feeling well. So if you can, once you've gotten sort of through that phase the focus then on you know the positive part of focus on well what 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 do i have what do i have left what can i build on what can i make stronger what can i do to avoid having these symptoms again
0: yeah i I know that with me um i've had fibromyalgia 20 years um, 21 years diagnosis um but it i clearly had it beforehand and nobody knew Mm -hmm. what it was because it was something that was really kind of reaching in the dark only really coming into into an understanding at that point and uh, so you know because I have heart and cancer in the family immediately they want to go down that road Uh, oh you must have this well no that's them that's their journey I have a different one and I think the frustration was was not knowing what was wrong with me why was I feeling like this why was I constantly tired why did the body feel like cardboard why this why that you know what am I doing wrong I was on nutritionals You know, I was, um, you know, um, yes, I went through a considerable amount of stress uh, where my house almost burnt down. My mother came to stay for three months and my marriage started to end. So (laughs) all of those type of things happening at the same time. And that's another thing try and stay away from stress, because that really is an aggravator on any level. But if you have chronic disease, it just magnifies everything. So that's one of the triggers. But the frustrating thing for me was just simply not knowing what was wrong. So when you do actually get the diagnosis, it can be a little overwhelming, but at least now you've got a name for something. And it's like, now what can I do? What can research can I do myself to know how I can overcome this or in the case of our diseases, how can you live with it?
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the really big things is learning how to overcome those obstacles. Uh, I think for myself, a lot of it had to do with knowing who my tribe was or knowing who my support team was. You learn very, very quickly uh when you're starting going through this process of, especially with something uh, invisible chronic illness like fibromyalgia, like yeah. lupus, like arthritis, where you don't necessarily see what's happening to the mm-hmm. person, you know, I get this all the time. Oh, you look fat. If you look fabulous, yes. I'm thinking, yes. well, thank you, but you have no yeah. idea how difficult it was for me to look normal.
0: Yes, and that's well, get up those, in the morning.
1: <laughs> exactly. you know, this this thing that I used to take for granted of getting up, having a shower, getting dressed, going to work, you know, getting the kids to school, you know, driving them to hockey, soccer, you know, both my boys were very active. Um, I still have one living at home. And you know, it's, it's busy. Mm -hmm. So when you're out in the community, and you're participating, and you're, you know, being a mom or a wife or whatever it is you're doing, uh, and you're going to work, you know, for myself, if I had people all the time telling me, I never would have known unless yes. you told me that this is what you were going through. And I kept it a secret, mm. which, you know, at first I thought was a really smart thing to do. And unfortunately in the workplace, you know, it's there are laws against discriminating people with uh, disabilities or limitations or, you know, chronic illness, but we still hide it. And it's unfortunate that we have to do that. But, you know, I think one of the key things that, that you mentioned was, um, learning to overcome the fear of, yeah. of of what that is fibromyalgia in particular was one of those illnesses that for years doctors told us it was in
0: our head yes yes had, I can't tell <laughs> everything's you. always in our head if it's they can't if head. they can't find a, a solution for it right yeah,
1: especially with women's health care i yeah. mean there's a huge change now than there was you know say 10 10 20 years ago but i i look back to when i was first diagnosed and i had at least three doctors you know, look at me and kind of blink and shake their head. And, uh, I had actually had one tell me that he didn't have time for, um, imaginary illnesses.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I sort of
1: looked at him and I went, you do know, this is a scientific, you know, fact there's research on all this. So yeah. Overcoming, I think has a lot to do with who, who you have sitting with you. So Yeah, the support system is huge. Family, uh, and again, going back to how much do you, how much information do you give out? Well, I think the best thing we can do is educate ourselves first. Yeah. Uh, as a nurse, you know, I'm I w- was doing this all the time anyway, so it was easy for me. But I know a few times I've had to go in and talk to my doctor and even educate them a little bit carefully. You don't always like to be told what yes. to do, but most of them are pretty open. I mean, you know, a lot of the, they're doctors. You know, they're learning all the time. So it's okay to go in and say, hey, you know, I'd like to talk to you about this. Uh, I've done some research uh, and I, I'd like to really look into this as, as a partnership between yourself and your doctors. I think that's the key thing is, is you need to be partners. I think we have a tendency to take our doctors and we put them way yep. up here on this pedestal, not realizing that, you know, yes, they're smart. Yes, they're educated. Yes, they're, they, they're trained uh, for years but they're human beings and they need to be given that, put put back on the same playing field as you as a patient and say, okay, let's work together on
0: this. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm under Dr. Arsenault, which is one of the leading um, uh, fibromyalgia doctors um, actually in North America. And doctors from all over the world go to him to actually Mm -hmm. understand what is fibromyalgia, how do you diagnose it, what is the treatment. And fibromyalgia is just being put up as a disease and not just a disorder anymore because of Mm -hmm. all the multiples with it. When I actually finally got to see him, it was such a relief and validation that you know, I wasn't in my head, that all of these yeah. things that I did have, you know, were actually really happening to me. It wasn't me just making excuses. Because unfortunately, up until then, you know, I just had doctors that either, oh, this is an experimental drug, try this, or I don't know, I guess you're just going to have to suck it up. Um, and so to be actually with a doctor that really did care, which came about from his wife having it and him really wanting to understand everything about it. So you know needing to find someone that really does get it and i think that's very important and i think have your conversation with your gp and say look i understand if you don't get it if this is not your kind of disease but can you recommend me to someone else or a clinic or somewhere that does get it and that specializes in this and we have that right to say i want somebody who understands what's going on to help me with this and don't be afraid to what the doctor's response would be. If his nose is out of joint, he's not representing you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, a, it's a tough spot to be in. Um, you know, it's so difficult to get a GP these days. You know, family doctors are, are few and far between. And, and it's not like it used to be in the old day where, you know, we could go in and sit and talk to them for half an hour. You know, a lot of it is where, you We're only allowed to ask one or two questions, Mm -hmm. and we're overloaded. The healthcare system, and this is the other part of it too, is the healthcare system is so overloaded. Um, And this is one of the reasons why I think I probably got sick faster. Yeah. uh, When I worked, you know, I worked as a surgical nurse. and we're always short-staffed. I remember working, you know, 12-hour shifts on a, on a night shift overnight and having the shift coordinator come in and say, we had somebody call in sick or we're short-staffed. Can you stay an extra eight hours? And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second here. I just did 12 hours overnight. So I haven't slept in two days. Yeah. yeah. And they want me to stay another eight hours. That's a sixteen-hour day with no sleep from the day before, right? And I'm in the surgical unit, so I'm administering medication, and you know that's kind of dangerous. And and I'm not and I'm not trying to. I don't want to get too too much off track here, but this is the the stress of that of, of having that on my shoulders as a nurse mm-hmm. um, is crazy without illness.
0: So yes. when we add in illness
1: on top of that. Uh, it 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 really is about the stress and how to manage that and that's one of the reasons why uh i i stepped down from working at the hospital then going into teaching um and then of course things just kind of got complicated uh with my spine and and other things but but yeah there there's definitely um you know there's a gap between how are we responsible versus how are the doctors responsible and again we just bring it back to being team players and knowing that you know we know our body better than anybody else
0: we're living with it 24 7 there is no escaping it so yes no. and and it's you know it's not all on the uh, the medical profession that you know with um we know today that you know uh, lung and heart transplants and everything else and, uh, yeah. and uh, uh, 3D limbs and all sorts of things that they can do today. They're really great at putting you back together and catching you in emergency. But yes. the sustainability of daily life isn't always the forte of a doctor. And this mm-hmm. is where you really have got to start looking at your nutrition. Um, you know alternative Mm -hmm. supplements uh, what physiotherapy can you do what's you know what is going to enhance the strength of your body um, Mm -hmm. and not push too far so we really have to take that ownership don't we and kind of investigate what areas are going to help you live with this because it is something you are now in partnership with right your health Um, and not just put it all on the medical or all on drugs there isn't a drug for everything Um, (laughs) and look at else what else you can do so What would you suggest to people that, you know, they've been overwhelmed, they've found out what it is, they're on a certain amount of medication. What would you say uh, they should do then in trying to find out, you know, what else to do next in the sense of nutrition or um, therapy? Mm -hmm. So... One of
1: the things I wanted to touch on first is medication because we are in an, in a pharmaceutical yes. age where, you know, prescriptions are being written left and right. Um, and this is where I think I'm in a bit of a, a unique position as a patient. I've also been a nurse, so I get what the medication and the scientific part of having these chemicals Altering things in our body so that we can find pain relief or we can find um, You know something to calm us or we can find something to fight off infection The problem is is that we tend to go to those as our go-to mm-hmm. and I think what what I what I, the message I want to get across is You know, it really is about the combination of mind body spirit So I would never say no don't take your medication and that's actually, something I talk about in my book is that it's really important for you to stay on your medication is there alternatives? Yes, but that takes time,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: especially when you're inundated with, um, you know, all this information we have. Be very, very careful where you find your information. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, we tend to go to Dr. Google a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <And> Dr. Dr. <laughs> Google is, is, is handy, and we get this instant uh, answer from Dr. Google but it, it's not always a credible source. Um, I would actually say, you know, make sure that you're getting your information from a credible source. A lot of the university websites are really good places. If you're living in Canada, Health Canada, or any other country in the world, you can go to your, um, you know, your healthcare body, or you can even go to the World Health Organization. They, when I, I remember teaching as, uh, as a nurse, we, we tend to, you know, make sure that our, our sources are, are credible. So for, for medication, you really need to talk to your doctors about it. What, what's new? Uh, what has the least amount of side effects? Yes, I think that's the problem What we have mm-hmm. with pharmaceuticals now is that they might be helping our situation, but they're not necessarily fixing it. What they're doing a lot of the times is they're putting a bandaid over it and the symptoms don't, there's no root cause fix. And unfortunately, when we're looking at diseases like systemic lupus and fibromyalgia and osteoarthritis, those three, there's no cure. No. So we can, we can help live and make the symptoms manageable, but there's two other things that come into play with that. And that is, uh, mind and spirit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think one of the things that really, really helped me along the way, sir, was my spirituality and spirituality, uh, you know, a lot of people tag that to religion and spirituality and religion are actually two completely separate things. Mm-hmm. But they can be tied in together. So for me, what I'm getting at is my faith. Uh I am a Christian. Uh I'm a very open-minded Christian. But I think that, you know, if you're if your higher power is a tree or God or a rock, it doesn't really matter right. as long as you understand that there is something bigger than you, that you don't always have control over everything, and that you have the power to tap into that and hold on to that and know that, you know, at the end of the day, if I can connect spiritually to what's happening to myself, you know, the brain has a way of allowing the body to kind of take over. And then it can go vice versa where the body just doesn't really understand what's happening and the brain will take over. So the, the physiological response is kind of what yeah. I'm getting at. So meditation, prayer, um, I started uh, restorative yoga uh, that you know, even on days when I'm completely incapable of doing any of the yoga poses, if I can simply lay on the floor and just breathe, mm-hmm. that's a form of meditation in itself. Um, if we can kind of recognize that those are all linked together, you know, going outside, being in the trees, uh, there's something else I talk about in my book. I'm not going to pronounce it right, but it's, it's a Japanese practice and it's, it's tree tree bathing. And it's basically just being actively outside and breathing in the fresh air. You know, the trees are providing us with color and shade and oxygen, uh, but it's just, you know, it, and it's hard to get outside when you're not feeling well. So, combining that in, like you said, with nutrition, um, rest oh, my goodness, rest. Yes. If I yes. could go back 10 years or 15 years when I was first diagnosed and really understand how important rest was. Uh, you know I'm only 48 years old but I'm taking a nap almost every day or every other day and I have to and I know that if I don't my family kind of goes okay you're getting a little cranky you need to go have it right. out so, but yeah that if we can get that whole package of ourselves and understand that I'm not just experiencing physical symptoms I'm also experiencing something that's happening emotionally and we need to be able to find some kind of grounding. Um, so if we, if we remember not just to take the pills or whatever medication or whatever alternative treatment you're using, whether it's acupuncture, you know, medical cannabis or um, chiropractic care, it's, a, it's, a, it's not just one thing. We need to take care of our entire whole self. Yeah. And I think that if we can kind of remember that at the very beginning, you'll be a lot better off down the road.
0: And it's also including your family, you know, and um, oh, um, yes. unfortunately for me, it was just like a mum sick, you know, and, mm. and it was, um, it was a little bit of a pressure, feeling a bit guilty about it. Mm. And, you know, I'm still out there doing everything for the kids, pushing yourself as you do, um, and just trying to deny your illness. And then you know, along it comes and pulls the rug from underneath you and flattens you out and then you kind of get through that and get back up and go out and do everything again, because you're not paying attention to the sign and the sign is you have to pace yourself. If you don't place that importance upon yourself and your own health and your own energy, you are going to deplete and you're just going to make it worse. So I think the conversation with the family is like, I don't know maybe in the beginning, what's wrong with me. These are the things that are happening. I don't want it to affect our lives, but however, if, you know, mom or dad is feeling uh, tired, or something is happening. Please understand that there are is going to be have to be some adjustments. And I think it's—I I know for me it was a solo journey, um, but and it, that made it much harder. And I think it's much better if you can bring the whole family into it and go, let's let's get me through this together. Because your your kids want to help you; they want to recognize there's something wrong and step up. But if you're silent, they don't know what's going on. And so it's very important you do that. And you're right about the nature, being outside, listening to the birds, the wind breeze, the trees rustling. If you can get into the water, the conduit of the water is absolutely wonderful. Nature has a way of so, so healing our vibration, our frequency, our energy, and just you know bringing you down to a point where energy that you can ride, and and it's peaceful and it recharges you. In other words, you've got to say, I need this. I'm going to take time to do this for my body so I can be there for you. I think that's one of the hardest things for anybody who is sick to do um, because we always feel a little guilt. So did you feel guilt around it?
1: Oh, that, yeah. You know, and it was tough because I was I was a new mom. Mm-hmm. Um, my... My son was, uh, he, you know, we had complications of getting pregnant originally, which we didn't know I had the lupus at the beginning. They just said it was, you know, endometriosis, which I also had. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so here I am, a new mom, and I've got this baby that's taken us seven years to have. Yes. And I want nothing to do with him because <laughs> he's screaming all the time. And it sounds horrible, but I was heartbroken because of the guilt. Like you say, you know, yeah. I wanted this baby for so long. It took us seven years to have him. And I don't want to give it all away because there's a really cool story in the book about this, his birth story. But anyway, so, you know, here I am, I'm a new mom. I'm going through postpartum depression. He's, And then we fast forward to he's two and now I've got my diagnosis of systemic lupus and I can't pick up my, my baby. I, I remember trying to get up the stairs to take him up for a nap and I couldn't carry him. And it was, it was horrible. You know, I'd gone through this up and down emotional postpartum. I finally have him, you know, I've got everything I've ever wanted, you know, and I was, I was very fortunate that, you know, I had a a husband who, um, you know, he's always been very good with the kids. He's always, you know, if I'm not able to, you know, do everything, um, you know, but there's still guilt attached to it. I mean, I'm looking back at, you know, here I, I would go work a, a, even just an eight hour shift uh, or I would do an ambulance transfer for patient to patient to the hospital and it, it would be like a four or six hour shift and I'd come home and I was just exhausted, exhausted. and, you know, and then my son's got, um, you know, either a band concert or a hockey game and I've already done groceries or I've already been at work or, and we get into that point where it's now like, okay. I can't do all of these things that I used to be able to do. Right. And it's difficult as a mom, you know, especially for single moms. Uh, I'm not in that situation myself, but you know, I have a partner, my husband, and and even when he does step up and and jump in, I still feel yeah. like I haven't done enough. Right. Um and but i I want to touch on one of the key things that you mentioned sarah and that was talking about you know getting the family involved Mm -hmm. and you know whether you're a single mom or you've got kids or you're by yourself or whoever it is it's really important especially with children that they understand that it's okay for mom not to be perfect all the time right and this is a family and that mom is not just mom mom is a person and it's difficult you know, for smaller children, obviously, but with older, my, my, my oldest is out of the house now, but our youngest is he's 15. So, you know, he knows that I, he's going to run and have to take the dog for a walk, or he's going to have to do the dishes or, um, you know, help with, um, uh, you know, getting dinner organized or something like that. And I feel guilty sometimes as a mom, like that's my job to to, to do dinner and my job to do the groceries. And, uh, but I think that with the dynamics of having, that's all he knows. Yes. When I was diagnosed. So that's all he knows as having, you know, for lack of a better word, a sick mom. Yeah. And so for him, it's normal for him to, you know, Oh, my mom's on the couch. So if I have friends over, we got to be quiet. Um, or, you know, I've got a hockey game, so I better make sure that, you know, I've done all my other chores. Um, and he's very helpful. You know, he'll open the door. He'll help me get in and out of the car. Um, he brings me ice packs, heat packs. Um, but he also helps, uh, you know, just kind of take some of the stress off. But he'll actually uh, you know, how are you doing today, mom? Are you okay? And then right back to, okay, what's, where's the snacks?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I regret kind of not, but also, uh, uh, for me, it was so many years, um, having this with, with no real diagnosis or understanding what was wrong with me and, uh, just kind of wondering what I was doing wrong. Why did I feel mm-hmm. like this, you know, and, and then kind of having the emotional trauma of a marriage breaking down and a few other things as well mm-hmm. doesn't help. So it is very important that you get that support around you um, because otherwise you do carry this guilt and you do carry this and you push yourself through. Oh no, I've got to do it. I've got to do it for the kids. I've got to do it for this. I've got to do it for that. And then you find yourself just making everything worse uh, physically. And, uh, and you, you know, it doesn't matter how much you push yourself, your body's going to push back. And so you need to get it in sync with your body. Even now people look at me, Oh, can't be anything wrong with you. And then when I say, no, I can't do that. Oh, just push your limits. Just push yourself through it. And yeah. I know that if I push myself too far and I don't pay attention to my triggers or get the rest when I need it, I'm yeah. the one that's flattened, not them. That's right? right so it's very hard for people to understand because you're not walking with a limb off or something that clearly says you have um the automatic thing is is that, oh you should just push through it it's it's you know it's a it's a mind over matter thing well right. no pain no gain right <laughs> yeah exactly you've heard that one too right oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and the thing is is that we yes our minds Choosing to think positive and still be productive and, and be a contributor to life is very much in play, but we have to work in partnership with our bodies on the limitation of our vessel and what it can do. And so not get bombarded or you know, pressured by other people around you. They don't know what's going on inside of you. And if they're unwilling to accept that, then you just need to close the door perhaps.
1: Yeah and you know identifying what what your limitations are is really huge. Yes. I think we tend to kind of ignore all those things um in the, initially. I still will catch myself or my husband will catch me or my son will catch me and say, "Hey, you know, you shouldn't be doing that right mm-hmm. now." And of course, because I have and it, a lot of its personality, I have yes. a very high driven, you know, I mean, from all the work I did, you know, disaster response, search and rescue, you know, surgical nurse, I I can't sit still, it's very difficult for my personality type to be sitting still. But it's important that I understand that I do have limitations, and Mm. I need to respect those limitations but also equally as important is I, if I don't respect the limitations, nobody else will either. Right. And that's really, really important when you're learning to identify what your limitations are and they're not going to be the same. You might be able to do groceries, you know, yesterday, but today, today is a couch day. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And there's an analogy that I use in my book. um, And it was a lovely lady by the name of Christine and i her last name escapes me, but she wrote a theory called The Spoon Theory. Uh, and then you can look it up online, The Spoon Theory. I think it's thespoontheory.com or something. But she basically talks about your energy levels. You know, if you're given five spoons in a day and you are only allowed to use those five, you know, that first spoon is going to be for getting out of bed and getting dressed. The second one's going to be for, you know, getting your kids off to school. The fourth spoon is going to be, you know, um, making all the beds or doing laundry And, and before you know it, you've got no spoons left. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of one spoon being dedicated per chore or per activity for the day, you may end up using all your spoons for one activity. You know, you might end up being out of spoons and all you've done is had a shower Right. and you've got to go rest again. So if we, if we understand what our limitations are, and because they do change from day to day, you know, with chronic illness, we go up, we go down. Sometimes the symptoms are stronger. Sometimes, oh my goodness, what the heck is this? Now I have a new symptom. 14 years after my diagnosis, I'm still getting new symptoms that I haven't had before. And so if we understand how to identify that, and then the next step is how do I make this easier? How do Mm -hmm. I adapt to this? And I think this is one of the reasons why I chose to write the story and get that message out there that, first of all, you're not alone. Right. And second of all, it's really important that once we have identified those limitations, or I I hate to call them limitations, but um, but that's just what it is. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Boundaries. Boundaries,
1: you know, yeah yes boundaries mm-hmm. you know riding a bike for two hours is not something i can do right now mm-hmm. but does that mean i won't be able to do it in a year from now I right
0: don't know. yes but well, that's <laughs> so the it's, thing there's good days and bad days isn't there we have right. no idea when yeah. they're going to come along no absolutely and, uh, you not. know there's a day that you can really do something and you're feeling great yeah. and and you might even feel great the next day and all of a sudden the the next day says you've Overused your spoons. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be flattened. But it, it's like you take the energy when you can. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the other thing too. That you know, in a family setting, or or even you know, if there's just two of you, is you'll, you'll have to communicate. I think this is the biggest thing. If I don't say to my, my husband or my children, you know, I'm not feeling that great today. Or sometimes I'll even, you know, shoot off a little text and say, forewarned, I'm not having a good day today. So, you know, don't press my buttons or, you know, go easy on me today. I've had a rough day. Um, they don't know. And you have to communicate that, you know, today I'm actually feeling really good let's go to the beach. Yes. Let's go take yes. the dog for a walk or let's go, let's go on a bike ride. Right. Um, you know, my dad bought us an electric bike last year and although I fell off of it a couple times, <laughs> that's another story for another day, but it it's, it's my family now understands that I have these limitations and, but still it is my responsibility to tell them when I'm not feeling well. Yes. And because I'm independent, because I've, Always been, you know, a, a leader. I've I've never asked for help, and I think that's the one of the most difficult things that I found for myself is it's okay to ask for help. It's it's so important. And the other thing that I've learned out of it is allow other people to be a blessing to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Allow other people to have that feeling of connection to you that they're helping. And I think that's one of the things that's been hardest on my my parents. Um, you know, they, they're older than me, you know, they're in their seventies. Now they're now having, um, you know, there's, they're both fairly healthy, but, you know, to see their daughter who is only in her forties having to go through this, that's very difficult. So when they ask if they can help, I let them, yeah. um, same with my husband, same with my children. It's, it's horrible standing back watching a loved one suffer. Mm -hmm. So allow by allowing family or your sports systems or friends or whoever it is that you have in your your life, you know, if they offer, take them up on it. You know, can they bring over a casserole? Can they take the dog out for a walk? Can they drive my son to hockey practice? Um, can they come and just sit with me because I've just had, you know, spinal cauterization treatment Mm -hmm. or um, you know, I need a babysitter. Because I'm, yes. gonna, I'm not going to be able to get up and, you know, get my own food for a couple of hours because I'm frozen or I'm heavily, you know, medicated um, from the procedure. So, you know, allowing the family to be part of it and be part of the care is, is a real blessing for
0: them as well. Yeah. And, and having not done that, I highly recommend you do because it's a very hard journey to try and do it solo. Yes. And, and because you're always trying to deny what's wrong with you. Yes. and uh, and as I said I truly didn't understand what was wrong with me until a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago that I really comprehended uh, the magnitude and up until then if you know it was is it mind of a matter is it stress you know everybody just saying you know, or if you just kept your anxiety down um, or if you didn't get depressed or if you didn't do this or if you did that <laughs> or if you went for a hike or if you went for that you would feel better and it's yeah. and it was always feeling like you know none of those things are working and you're always trying to be up beat for everyone else it doesn't work folks um, and yeah. it just makes you feel very isolated and lonely so please do include mm. other people um, and of course you're going to come across people oh i've got a cure for that you oh, know yeah. just take this and just take that <laughs> and it's like again when we're looking at just fibromyalgia milder alone with this 31 yeah. points it may help two or three points great try it out but it doesn't mean it's going to get the whole thing because the trouble is with both of these diagnoses is the fact that they're lifers. And yeah. so it's a question of managing it so we can have a full life. It's not a question of chemotherapy and everything else and you're going to be well again. So right. um, there's a lot to do. It. And I'm sure you went through a great deal of depression with it as well. How did you manage your depression?
1: Well, you know, it's a really, it's, it's kind of a, It's a big can of worms to open. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just before I talk about mental health, I just wanted to add in about adaptation. And I think that actually ties into the mental health aspect of it is if we learn ways of adapting or we learn new ways of doing things, um, then it takes the guesswork out of how am I going to do this? So something simple like putting on my shoes. Well, I I went out and we got, my husband got one of those big, huge, long shoe horns. Yes, 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 I use that. (laughs) Yes, I have one, you know, and I have a walking cane. I have a walking stick. um, I have braces for both wrists if I need them um, because I, with the arthritis, sometimes my Mm -hmm. wrists will lock. I have a knee brace. I have an ankle brace. I have a brace for pretty much every <laughs> body part, but it's also learning the new ways. Okay. How can I put, if, if I'm going to go out, what's the easiest, my husband will say to me, which car do you want to take? And I'm like, well, I don't want to take my car because if I'm the passenger, I've got a little Kia Rio. So I sit very low in the passenger side. If I'm the driver, I get to pump the seat up. Yes, I can't get in and out of that car with right. my hips. So we have to take our, our other car, which is a little mini SUV. So it's easier for me to get in and out of so and what kind of clothing am i going to be able to wear that day you know Mm -hmm. is it going to be really hot and sunny do i need a hat because i'm photosensitive so you know understanding what your adaptations are is really important so when we get into the mental mental health part of it oh you know depression is such a taboo subject but Mm -hmm. it's it's better i have to say it's a lot better than it used to be uh as a nurse I think that was probably the hardest thing for me to deal with the physical stuff I could handle. And, you know, if I was walking with a cane one day or people could see that I had some limitations or uh, I was a bit slower or I wasn't able to do something, but to actually admit and talk to people about depression, it was really difficult. And I think that was one of the other things that drove me to get this message out here and why I Mm -hmm. wrote the book was because you need to understand that living with chronic illness and chronic pain almost goes hand in hand with mental mental awareness and depression um you know it's if you think about somebody who's never had any illness uh, or has never had a broken leg or a cast or has never had surgery or has never had um something physically
0: debilitating for for a moment yeah
1: (laughs) it's really difficult for them to imagine well you know you're you're not you're not dying so what's the big deal right but the thing is is that you don't know that at the time (laughs) no and especially when you have you know some other life-threatening things going on that's that's always in the forefront or in the background you know however you see it but I think for myself, reducing the stress was one thing. And Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that I found very helpful was, um, you know, with my faith prayer, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of prayer and a lot of people praying for me as well. Yes. Yes. Um, That was, you know, strength in numbers, but I think also um, writing it down. Uh, I did go for counseling as well. I think that I was, uh, at a point where I could know my coping mechanisms weren't working for me anymore. And it's important to learn what those new coping mechanisms are or what those skills that you already have, uh, how to utilize those. So I went for, uh, some, uh, I'm gonna, I'm not sure if I'm going to say it right. It's NLP and it's basically, I think it's neuro-linguistic language, uh, linguistic practice. And it basically means change the words that you're using. So instead of saying, I don't want to be sick anymore, Mm -hmm. you're putting that word sick out to the university. And what you want to do is you want to say, I'm going to be healthy. Mm -hmm. So we're changing our language. And when we change our language, we tend to change our mindset and our thought patterns a little bit. So I, I started a gratitude journal. And I wrote down every day three things that I was grateful for. And then you start focusing on positive things instead of everything negative because, oh, my goodness, it's so easy, isn't yes. it, to sit yes. on the couch yeah. and have this big old pity party and a box of chocolates and ice cream. <laughs> and what right? was me. Yes. Yeah. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. my life is horrible. And, 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 it's, and it's very easy to do. And you know what? And sometimes we do need to do that. Sometimes we do need to say, hey, this really sucks.
0: You know, Hug around yourself, right? That little self-love, self-attention. Give yourself a good hug and some loving because yes, you're feeling low today and it's okay to do that. And it's
1: okay to do that. But I think it's really important. And one of the things that I do touch on in the book is there is a suicide attachment to mental health with chronic illness. Mm -hmm. There's actually a very high suicide rate um, with patients living with chronic pain. And I won't talk too much on it, but I, I do want to mention, you know, you, and I'm not saying just because you live with chronic pain that you're, you're going to you know be suicidal. I'm just saying that it's, it's perfectly normal yeah. to start having these thoughts enter into your brain. The key is, is learning what, it then becomes dangerous. Where do we draw the line and say, okay, I need some professional help here. I need an intervention. I need somebody to, to talk to. Um, for myself, I, I never got to that point, but I can certainly see how easy it would be for somebody to get there. Um, so, you know, getting the love and support from the people you trust, uh, having an outlet, whether, you know, and for me, that was really difficult because I was a runner. Mm -hmm. I would, I would get stressed. I would just go for a run. I can't do that anymore. So I found, you know, okay, I'm going to write it down. And then I'm going to go do something that's restful. I'm going to go do something that's relaxing. And I'm going to do something that's nice for myself. Right. So whether it's sitting out on the deck with a cup of coffee um, and you know, sometimes a little retail therapies, yes, <laughs> but you know, be careful with that too. You don't want to start using that too much, but yeah. I think we need to do some things. Um, and you don't even need to be chronically ill or have chronic no. pain to just do some nice things for yourself. Self care is so you know, underrated. I know. <laughs> it's so know. important, especially as women, because we do everything for everybody and we be everything for everybody. Um, so I think the key with mental health is the awareness part.
0: Very much how, so. And and, how, and where are we? The triggers. Um, you know, I'm, yes. I'm, I mm-hmm. suffered a great deal from the depression. I actually went through something called Galactic Speak that kind of It's Mm. a a language downloaded that uh, it bypasses the head so the head doesn't get in the way and it goes and resets you. And that really helped me considerably because I would go into the despair moments, you know, Mm. where somebody feels like gone into your guts and pulled it out. There's no, there's no reasoning. There's no rational when you're in that state of mind. And for people to say snap out of it, (gasps) it just aggravates it even more. Yeah, let's pour some fuel onto Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Like I really want to feel like this. Mm. So I recognize when I'm feeling low and of course the triggers are don't get over tired, right? Uh, Don't get overstressed. And when you start feeling that way, what is going to lift you up? And for me, it's music. It's putting the headphones on, watching YouTube, listening to some music. And there's something about music in the frequency that kind of resets your own frequency. So it's not just kind of a a redirect. There is something in music that's very healing. And for some people, it may be taking up the paintbrush or being creative and doing something know what it is that's going to help you redirect that feeling, be soothing and calming and make sure that you pay attention to it before you get there. Or I can feel that coming up. This is a day I need to do this before I am going to be over the other side where it's so hard to then do anything.
1: Yeah. And you know, a lot of it is just being aware of our, our conscious mind Mm -hmm. Because as you say, you know, our subconscious sometimes just will hear something and respond to it, but we don't actually realize that that's what our body is responding to. So if we're aware of our conscious mind, um, you know, the music, like you say, it has a huge therapeutic effect. Um, uh, Play. You know, yes, fun. yes, fun. Uh, we like to laugh a lot in our house. We we have a lot of jokes, and um, a lot of it's usually at my expense because <laughs> my uh, yes, I I don't, I'm, I'm the only female in the house. So, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a lot to be said about. You know, you've got to take this with a little bit of humor. I think for myself. Uh, you know, writing the book, I made sure that when I told my story, it wasn't all doom and gloom for me. There was some funny stuff thrown in there. Uh, you know, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. You know, like I, I mentioned earlier, I'd fallen off my bike a couple of times. My boys actually stood there and laughed at me instead of rushing over to help. me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> my bike, and they're just sort of sitting there laughing at me. So it wasn't funny at the time for me. It's funny right. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like you said, you know, find what what your passion is or what's going to help you, um, get through something. Music is huge. Um, I know if I'm, you know, really needing to calm down, um, I'll put on the the spa channel on the TV and just have that soothing kind of calming. And then there's other days where, Oh, I'm, I can actually move my hips. I'm going to go put on some, you know, some Beyonce. Pop- <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: A ring on it. <laughs> and, you know, and move. Holy yes.
1: cow. If you can move, move. that's when you do yes. it. Yes. And if you can yes. move to music, even better.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. But, it's, it's again, don't force yourself to do things. No. Allow yourself to do things when you know the time is right. Yeah. And you know, the thing is what people have got to realize is that this is a lifer. You know, you're going to live with this for the rest of your life and that there is a You really have people have to really honor your system of dealing with it. Yes. Right. Because, you know, and this is something that's trial and tribulation. You get to that point of your triggers, you know, your body, how far you can push it, good Mm -hmm. days and bad days. And you can live a very productive life. You know, you wouldn't write this book if this hadn't happened to you. And this book is going to help so many people that are going through similar things, uh, help them understand what's happening to them and also We don't get over it, and we're we're not necessarily going through it, but what we're doing is learning to live in harmony with it. And you can still live a productive life. I started this radio station five years ago, doing hosting six years ago. I've had this for 22 years or so. It's what can you do now in this body at this time in life? So it's end of a chapter, but all it is is an opportunity to seek what else you can do.
1: Yeah. And I like the way you phrase that, you know, it's an opportunity. And I think that was one of the things that I sort of looked at this and saying, you know, a lot of people say, oh, this must be so horrible for you. And I said, you know, in a lot of ways, my having to live with chronic pain and chronic illness has been a bit of a blessing. Yeah. And they kind of look at me like, are you nuts? Like, how is this a blessing? And but it's learned it's it's allowed me to slow down.
0: Mm-hmm. It's allowed
1: me to take care of myself better than I ever have before. I still have a lot of work to do on that yeah. because it's, it's still, uh, not something that I like to do. Um, but it's allowed me to kind of embrace life a little bit more, but it also has allowed me to be grateful yes. for all the positive things that I do have in my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, we're, we're not living in any big mansion, but we we know we have a comfortable home. Uh, you know, we're we're not, we're not rolling in the cash, but we're comfortable. And I think, you know, once you sort of recognize yeah, my kids are both healthy, oh my goodness, you know, if, Mm -hmm. if anything, you know, touch wood, my kids are healthy and I don't have to see anybody else in my family suffer for what I go through. Um, but the, the blessings that we can be for other people, as you're saying, I, you know, the purpose of writing the book was to help other people. And I decided that this new path for me, I'm still not exactly quite sure where it's gonna go, but I know that, you know, being a nursing instructor, um, having the education, having the training as a nurse and an educator, putting those two things together, um, you know, the, the book was born. And I just decided that if I can use something that has helped me help you know, other people overcome, identify, rejuvenate, uh, self-care, you know, just taking care of yourself better. But I think the the, the thing that's really kind of cool about this is, uh, I never imagined that it was actually going to go this big, this fast, right. uh, Which has been amazing. I have, uh, there's women in the UK that have, read the book and I've said, you know, actually was a nurse. It was, this was fantastic. Um, and I've had other, um, you know, other feedback from the United States uh, from all over Canada, just from other women and other people living with chronic illness. So I kind of had a bit of an answer once the book yes. went out there. It was like, Oh, okay. Um, and, and it went number one in five categories, you wow. know, mental, mental Excellent. and spiritual healing and, mm-hmm. Uh, chronic pain and immune systems Uh, so for me it was like okay I understand what my purpose is now my purpose is is to be helping other people that are living with the same types of obstacles that that I've had to live with and I'm still living with on a day-to-day basis how can I help somebody else live with chronic illness and chronic pain uh, with in a productive full happy fulfilling life uh, you know yeah that that's really that's
0: really how i see my path now right and and this is you know self-discovery radio this is exactly what it's about it's people mm-hmm. that have um faced obstacles mm-hmm. challenges in life and it's what they've done in choice right to, um oh, to yes. live with it or go through it or survive it mm-hmm. and every single one of them despite what has happened to them and some of the things have been truly utterly horrific Right. Saying I wouldn't change any of it because who I am now, my purpose now, what I'm doing for humanity now would never have happened had this not happened. And so I think that's, you know, people go, why me? Well, you know, you're all going to go through that initially because it's like Mm -hmm. why did this happen to me but when you allow yourself to investigate or understand why you and that's where you need to step into the spiritual side of things it will be explained why you Mm -hmm. um and then you'll actually understand from that is the opportunity to represent or speak on something because as a nurse, you could speak from it, from a clinical point of view, yeah. understand this and that, but now as being the patient as well, mm. you can speak from both sides. And yeah. both of those sides give you so much more understanding on how to live with it, how to approach it, because you're understanding both sides of the equation. And so that's such a benefit to anybody else that is living with, uh, through it. Not only is the, uh, the camaraderie there, um, but it's also then the techniques and styles and everything else from both sides of the coin that are going to help people. So nothing happens by accident. It's always no. by divine, uh, you know, they've always, always got a plan for us. And yes. stepping into spirituality, no matter what it is, you know, faith, religion, whatever, energy, Gus, is my post, um, Reverend calls it, a, a God, universe, spirit, whatever beautiful energy you're going to step into, it will always be there to help you through. All you have to do is ask or trust or allow. And, um, and I think one of the hardest things for people like you and I is the uh, asking for help. And please, folks, please, please, please. I didn't ask for that help. I always try to suppress it and be more and override it and ignore it. And it does not work. Please ask for help because you do need help. Because you've got to remember it's a gift for them to help you. Yes. Right? People want to help each other. That's really what we want to do. And by saying to someone, I need your help, is a gift to them to allow them to step up and do something for you. That's what we're meant to be doing for each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as I said before, you know, allow someone else to be a blessing to you. Yes. Um, But I really like what you said about, you know, the trust that we have in our spirituality or Mm -hmm. our higher power. And we aren't always meant to understand what that purpose is. Uh, right away and sometimes never Um, I had the same thing you know oh my gosh you know God what what are you doing why why are you (laughs) allowing this to happen and now I get it yes you know this is this was what my purpose was meant to be was to be helping other people Um, I thought it was being a nurse and maybe it was at the time but now God's got me on a whole new path of reaching out to other people that live with chronic illness. So he's allowing me, you know, one of the questions that I got answered was, why would he let me go to nursing school and do all this work and pay all this tuition and, and spend all these hours away from my family and my kids? and then allow me to get sick and then I can't do it anymore. I didn't get that. Right. Now I get it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I needed the training and all the time and the experience to work. You know, my nursing career wasn't very long, but it was long enough to give me the perspective that I have now. And that's really all I needed. So I needed to trust that that was not at the time, what i thought was going to be this amazing nursing career which it was very short lived i w- it was horrible when when all this started i was devastated
0: mm-hmm. losing
1: my nursing career that was that was my identity yes and that was my paycheck <laughs> <And> yes <laughs> was, you know and and now it's like wow this is this is amazing that i just decided to let go of the reins for a while mm-hmm. um you know trust in my higher power um, and he just really had something a lot more special than what I ever could have imagined for myself. So, you know, having that connection to that faith and that spirituality and, and like you said, you know, it's 90% of, of, of what we or sorry, 10% of, of what it is, is what happened to us. And 90% of it is how we react to it. Yes. We have exactly. a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we, um, You know, we understand that we have a choice on how we're going to react to either pain or illness um, and how we're going to overcome or adapt um, and allow people to be blessings in our lives, learning how to overcome those obstacles, you know, living life meaningfully, living life with purpose, um, even if we don't necessarily understand what that purpose is right away. Um, I think that we're, we're, we're going to give ourselves a, a good leg up if we allow ourselves to have that rest, have the proper nutrition, get exercise when we're able to mm-hmm. um, get outside, um, listen to music, have fun, play, um, you know, it's, it really isn't just one thing and it's not a one size fits all, but I guess the message really is you're not alone
0: yes and, and that's that's that, a big message to to have you're not, you're, you're not alone the other thing is is um uh you know i'm a very spiritual being so I'm very much um, lived up in the cosmos and i really had a hard time as a human being and i think yeah. i was given this illness to ground me you know for, <laughs> for me to really register you're in a body yeah and, and you've got to learn to live together as a partnership yeah. And we need to understand that our spiritual selves are in partnership with our physical selves. And if our spirit is out of order, our body will be, if our body's out of order, our spirit will be. So how are we going to find that balance and bring mm-hmm. our equilibrium and, uh, you know, surrender to allowing, you know, we, we can put a blueprint out there of what we desire, mm-hmm. but then we have to get out of the way and just follow the path <laughs> that is laid before us because your book is now benefiting so many other people. You couldn't have written it had you not gone through the journey that you've gone exactly. through. And sometimes it's like, well, couldn't I have written this without it? No, you couldn't no. have. You couldn't have. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the difference between a clinical manual of a doctor yeah. writing it and somebody who's living in it. Yes. And as really imparting the tools, the knowledge. And, and that's the thing. It's... Uh, They are gifts no matter, you know, doesn't have to be so painful, but (laughs) and that pain that we go through now and again is purely because we've overdone it. We haven't paid attention to self. So when you step into self-awareness and know your Mm -hmm. own parameters and only push yourself as far as you are comfortable in doing so, Mm -hmm. you'll still be able to have a beautiful, productive life, but you've got to know your own balance and your own yes. triggers, and then you can go through it. It just, it's a redirect, not, no knowledge is lost. It's just redirected, yeah. isn't it?
1: Just redirected. And you know, there was one of the things we had talked talk about a lot, but nutrition's a really big part Nutrition. of it too. Yeah. You know, learning what foods you're sensitive to, especially a big one is sugar.
0: Yes. Sugar
1: is, an, is a high, a highly addictive. I'm a sugar addict, uh, self-admitted. And it's, you know, once you can sort of learn some alternatives um for what those cravings are helping to get you know through those uh and then you know you you could treat yourself once in a while chocolate's kind of a big thing for me yes but you know, go for the dark chocolate. Go for the yes, yes, 35%, yes, yes, yes. percent, the stuff that's actually got the antioxidants in it. Mm-hmm. You know, can't live without chocolate. Then just adapt it to the kind of chocolate that's good for you, yeah. right? So and, yeah. and the
0: 80 20 rule is good. You know, 80 <laughs> yes. percent good, and then that 20 percent now and again, naughty, Don't deny yourself because then mm-hmm. the craving will just become more. But the the less the that you have the sugar, the less you want it, right? Yes. And uh, and the things that you then go for that are a little sweeter aren't those horrible. Awful, terrible, sweet things that are going to throw your body into stress. You know what anti-inflammatories can you be taking? You know what kind of exercise suits your body that you really can do. Get to know yourself from the inside out on all levels, and then you can live a well-balanced life. So my love, how do they get hold of the book? How do they find you?
1: Well, I will. I'll just. Can I hold this up? Yes, please. Have a peek at it. So that's the book, Comfortable Pain. And I have my website at lisakadot.com. Uh, will you also... spell that, please,
0: love, for people? Yes, who are just I will.
1: Certainly. It's Lisa with an E. So it's L-E-I-S-A. And the last name is Kedot. I don't know. Can you see if I hold that a little, uh, little Just letter? spell it for people who are just listening oh. to the audio. Certainly. So the last name is spelled C-A-D-O-T-T-E. So it's just Lisa Kedot at... Uh, sorry, lisakadot.com. Um, you can also contact me through my email, which is lisakadot at hotmail.com. Um, but probably the simplest thing to do is just to go to the website and have a look there. Um, I'm also on Facebook, so you can find me there. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, where else am I on? Uh, I think that's probably Instagram. Instagram, yes. Yes, is, yes.
0: yes. I'm on Instagram too. And it's Lisa and King on Instagram. Right. And, uh, and of course, if people want to buy the book, they can buy it, uh, where, uh, for the Canadian
1: buyers, you can go to a, uh, if you go on my website, again, there's a link for what's called Red Tooth. They're the, um, uh, distribution company. Redtoothbooks.ca. Redtoothbooks.ca. Yes. yes. Uh, this is all on my website. So if you go to my website, it'll have a link button for Canada, U.S. and the U.K. In the US, it's simply Amazon.com, and for the UK, it's Amazon.uk. So, uh, yeah, have a look at my website, lisakedot.com, and it has all the purchase links there. And I'm already thinking of book two. Good, Yeah. good,
0: Um, you know, they, I don't know if you've got nutrition in this book, but most certainly a little bit. bit. Yeah. That that definitely could be elaborated on because it, you know, what we eat is what we are too. And that's very, very important. You know, keeping the stress down, putting the right foods in you, getting the right rest. Those are the basic three. And if you'd even follow those three things, you're going to find that whatever you are living with, you're going to manage much, much better than being stressed out over everything. So keeping that stress level down is really important, isn't it? Yes. Oh yes. (laughs) so thank you so much for coming and sharing here today it's a very important subject there's so many people living with chronic pain maybe one of them and it's um it, it sometimes it's just not fun and um, uh, but i chose to do it solo and i don't recommend it and so please put your tribe around you invite people to understand Absolutely. and be your support even to sometimes remind you you know what you're overdoing it time for a rest because we're always inclined to push ourselves too far and then it's like oh dear i shouldn't have done that so get those people around you that are going to be supportive because it's very very important absolutely thank you so much for being with us and sharing your story here today lisa it's very very important so please if you have chronic pain, do whatever you can to try and understand what you what you've got and how to manage it. Mm. Reach out to read this book. This is somebody that can speak to you from both sides of the aisle, right? Chronic yes. pain by Lisa Cadet, uh, and and um, I cadot, and just okay. understand that it's um, in. It, Yeah, it may be a life sentence. You know, it's maybe something you've got to live with. There is no cure. But once you learn to manage it, don't stress out about it. Mm -hmm. Learn to listen to your body. You will find that there's still so many things you can do in a life and enjoy. All it's doing is slowing you down to put you in another direction. What is that direction? Hmm, wonderment. Mm -hmm. It could be exciting. So be willing to take the journey. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Thank you, Sarah. It was a pleasure being here. Until next time, folks. Bye for now. for more wonderful shows like this please go to selfdiscoveryradio.com podcasts and see our lineup and if you wish to support us we have a funded button please stay tuned for our next show